need to have a joint nose blowing session. Right, get ready. State of us. Have you recorded that? Yeah. Okay. Transatlantic Rants, episode 24. I'm Fraser over in Canada, and I'm joined by Jeremy in England. If you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. One can only wish. <laughs> good morning, Jeremy. Hello. How are you doing? You're good? Are you healthy? I am. I am. We're on a, uh, a, sh- on a short notice recording. Yeah. Last minute. I came... It is lastminute.com. I came back last night and I had an email from you saying... I wasn't expecting to record, so I came back last night and I had an email from you saying, let's do a show in the morning. And uh, so... uh, But I didn't prepare last night, so as usual, I've come prepared (laughs) as normal with nothing. Oh, God. Well, I was going to sit and do something last night, but I got involved in watching the ice hockey last night, man. Ice hockey season is going. Woo! Go Leafs! Oh, really? Yeah, the Maple Leafs had a game last night. They won it, so they made the playoffs for the first time in eight years. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. That's good. Yep. Good for you. Good game. I'm sure it was. What are we doing? I don't know. I'll run through the agenda, because uh, I don't think Fraser's <laughs> actually written anything down. Um, Go on, you take over. You're right, you've introduced... Hey, why don't you do the introduction? I'll do the introduction. So, what have you been up to, Fraser? Uh, watch the hockey. Good. Jeremy, what have you been up to? <laughs> eh, got a cold. We're going to rant about colds, actually. That's coming up. There'll be a little section on, on colds, but um, we're going to talk about gun laws. Um... Obviously, there's been some recent horrendous, tragic events in, in Boston, um, and, and I think there's a, there's a desperate need to kind of highlight the whole sort of like area, not just sort of like the, the terrorism thing, but also um, gun laws. It's a big topic. It's a beast, very contentious one. It's the kind of topic you can get your teeth into, and I'm hoping if we've attracted any American listeners from across the pond that they're, they're going to get involved in that. We're going to talk about temping jobs, the first jobs you had, you know, when you were 15, 16, washing pots, cleaning stuff, that kind of thing. Um, we're going to discuss films. Uh, I keep calling it Lopper, or, but it's actually, I keep being told it's called Looper, so we're going to be discussing Looper. We're going to discuss games, because originally this whole thing was to talk about games originally in films, and we never do, so we're going to talk about Unfinished Swan, and also Dead Island. And um, we might touch upon the new Dead Island, um, even though neither of us have played that yet. <laughs> well, that'll last long, won't it? <laughs> so, I, I, I think we should we should kick off, uh, before we get to gun laws, starting with temping jobs. Fraser, 
what was your first temping job and what happened? Uh, and you might can't describe remember. for our listeners what temping means. It- yeah, temping job. So when you start working, if you haven't picked up a job straight away, like a, a, a job in a shop, a permanent shop, you would go to, a lot of us would go to temping agencies where you would pick up a job. They tell you in the morning, yeah, we got work at this factory, go work at this factory for a day. Or go work at this place for a couple of days. or You'd do a day anyway and see if they'd want you back. You could see it. Which, if, you, if you could handle a day. I mean, it was yeah, a slave trade, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. My first job wasn't a temping job. My first jobs were at the uh, safari park, like a lot of people in the town where we grew up. Um, but temping jobs, I think one of my first temping jobs, I can remember they sent me to an office building. I think it was an IBM building, and it was to work in the kitchen. And I turned up, and the only thing I can remember about it was just this massive pile of pots and having to scrape the custard out of all these pots. <laughs> and it was just disgusting. <laughs> just terrible work. Oh, that was my first job, pot washing at the Crispin. And, and and it literally was pot cleaning, you know. And and, and they had those um, those little uh, china thing bowls which they would put and and literally weld like um, pastry onto. Um, and the only way of ever getting those mothers was to leave them right at the bottom of the sink for like a good half an hour and leave them right to the end. So literally, you're washing everything through the dirty water, but leaving your pots. It's crushingly awful. And you're you are the you are the bum feeder of the kitchen. The pot wash is the lowest of the low. Even even the floor cleaner. Yeah, but you even go lower, don't you? Because you're not even just the pot washer. You're the pot washing temp. So anyone who works there... The problem with a lot of these jobs, right, was because you were a temp, you were seen as basically something that they found in the bottom of your shoe. <laughs> right? And these people, anyway, in a lot of these jobs, were not generally the happiest members of society. Mate, th- they were mass murderers. They were. It was scary, especially the kids coming from Windsor going to work in Slough. Oh, God, I know. You you would get there, wouldn't you, at these places? There'd be these really dodgy sort of off the... You'd have to go down an alley, and there'd normally just be some big old fat woman. You know, the ones we kind of talk about, the alien queens. She'd be there. She'd go, yeah, what do you want? I mean, she, uh, she had balls bigger than King Kong. And uh, you go, I'm just wondering if any work. <laughs> and then you try and be a bit cockney because you didn't want to come across as too posh. I just wonder if there's any work going on at all. Is anything I can get to me here? What skills have you got? Absolutely none. Okay. Nothing. Pot washing. Oh, 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 pot washing. <laughs> <laughs> so I know pot washing was one of the worst ones that I had. But it didn't turn out to be the worst. The worst one. The worst temp job I had was working at the sugar factory. Did you ever get a stint? <laughs> See, we have that in common. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to name them. Ragus Sugar. Which yeah, which was... Go on, it was Sugar spelled backwards, wasn't it? That's their name. That out. It was the most horrible job in the world. I'm sure... And I, and I just... We have to put a legal caveat to this. I'm sure it's very different. Obviously, we are... Um, probably aggrandizing the place for comedy value, but to be honest, it's all true. But did I had to do the glucose, glucose, glucose? Is that a Star Wars thing? Glucose, glucose thing. The, the filling of the glucose tubs, which was just horrendous. 
And um, I remember the guy that I was working with, he had like a goatee and a shaved head and he was the roughest looking mother. And he'd obviously been doing it for years and I came in the sprightly kind of like Hugh Grant bumbling tit. Oh, hi. Oh, oh. And the guy didn't say anything. All he did was grunt and keep going out for cigarettes every like five minutes. He'd come back in and then we'd fill the next heavy like container full of glucose. And um, it was loads of wasps. I just remember wasps being around all the time. It was like the, the, the major hazard. It wasn't sort of getting baked in an oven like you hear these horror stories in Hey for Health and Safety. It was, it was the wasps. And after about an hour or two of us not talking and him just basically grunting and pointing at stuff, I said, so, um, and I couldn't think of anything else to say, how did you get into this kind of work? And I've never had a look since where he just looked up at me and went, I just work. That's all he said, I just work. And I thought, oh, right. So that was... It was sort of a, a... Rude awakening of a scary subculture you had no idea existed. I know, mate. But yeah, I had that sugar job too. It was awful. I remember we were making brown sugar. So they're like, okay, well, you need to get the raw cane sugar bags, empty them into that hopper, and then go down and carry up the uh, molasses, which was in big tubs, with just a thin wire handle, which just basically chopped your fingers off as you're carrying them. I was... Not a big kid, right? So these bags of sugar weighed a ton. The buckets of molasses weighed a ton. I'm allergic to wasps, and there are wasps everywhere. <laughs> and I remember as well, they gave me some blue overalls. They're like, well, you better put these blue overalls on. I spilt this molasses all over me while I was doing the job. I took my overalls off at the end of the day, and it seeped through all into my jeans and my clothes. And what always made me laugh is you'd go back and you'd speak to the agency at the end of the day and they'd be like, all right, so you're back there again tomorrow for another day. You'd be like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) That ain't going to (laughs) happen. All we've got is molasses putting in or pot washing. And the the, the really sort of tragic thing about that is, is that guys were doing this month in, month out, these kind of jobs. And I literally could only probably last about a week before the pain and the, I don't know, the fear of having to go in there, man. I, I was quite lucky. Um, I was working for Frank Paolo, and um, he ended up having to actually clean out the big kind of, um, one of the big heating sort of systems that they had. And they, and again, you know, I mean, this is this is going back in time, so don't show. Um, he was sort of put into this big oven with like, these cleaning things. He had to go in there. And, I, and I, I was just really grateful that that wasn't my job. You know, I was kind of grateful that I was out with a psychopath, you know, it's my job, um, just sort of helping him. And it was, I remember, mate, the wire on those things used to cut into your hands. You'd be looking at your hands and you'd just be looking at your, you know, like, what, what are you? You little middle class prick. Um, another terrible job that I did was, was pallets, pallet lifting. Um, and again, this is with Paolo Comedy. We arrived, and you have to go a really early start. And literally, it's a little bit like picking of the football team. They, they get all the big guys to kind of, they look at you, and then they go, right, you're good for this, you're good for such and such. And thought, fortunately, at the time, I was taller than I was taller than Paolo. So they said, right, you'll be doing pallet lifting, which just sounded horrendous. And he got pallet painting, which sounded like an all right job. Um so we both go off with our psychopaths to go and do our, our job. And um, I'm with this old boy, and he's got arms like sort of like um, 
I don't know, shipping knots. You know, there's something you would see like they would be holding on an enormous, massive boat to the quay. Um, and he was a really jovial bloke, constantly had a roll-up sticking out of the corner of his mouth, lifting these pallets. And we just literally lifted and stacked and marked, marked pallets. But poor Paola, man, in the heat. And it was always really hot. He was putting these overalls with a gas mask and put on this conveyor belt where he had to spray all the pallets. And they had like a warning bell um, that would go off if, if something had gone wrong each time in this painting like bit. So there was him and his psychopath. And the pallets going around. And he had to like do the bottom, do the corner, do the tops, and then nod to the guy. And then the next one would come along. And it, it just kept mucking it up. So the alarm would go off. And all I can remember was this alarm just keep going. Woo, woo, woo. And this bloke just shouted at Paolo. Will you fucking learn what you're doing? What are you doing? You've got to just paint the corner, you paint the other side, you paint the top, that's it. What can you get? I'm sorry, I can't tell you, you're stupid all the time. Get on with it. <laughs> so poor Paolo is in there. And me and him, honestly, mate, we, we, we had a classic thing. We go in and you have to have your little form signed and you take it in and say, see you tomorrow then. Uh, and they go, yeah, yeah. And then you'll be quickly thinking of the number to ring up and cancel never going back there ever again yeah I don't think I think on a lot of the jobs they'd sort of say well see you tomorrow and he'd be like oh okay whatever yep see ya but I think on the sugar job that was one of the few ones where he went see you tomorrow I went no fucking way <laughs> did you say there your bogus no. tasted of sugar yeah that's right I remember I just like snorted at the end of the day and it was like I had a nose full of M&M's it was unbelievable <laughs> but I, that job was a classic Oh, mate. And, and the problem is, is at that age, you know, you, you desperately need the money and they're paying you absolutely, you didn't get like a minimum wage like you get now. They pay you absolute pittance for doing it. You know, it was, to be honest, for me, it was more of a way of appeasing my folks that I was actually doing something. All I wanted to do at that age was sleep, probably do nothing. And, and, and you're forced out there to go to these places and it was always on some trading estate in Slough where you'd be sent. Um, well, I, I don't think there is any reason for doing it except to get some beer money for the end of the week. Yeah. Was there? Yeah. I mean, I don't remember buying anything. I just remember having money in my pocket to, you know, meet down and have a pint at the end of the week and just drink your wage packet. Yeah. It's kind of like a coal miner's life, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> kind of Without the romance. Without the romance. Sent down pit with the rest of my brothers. My brother, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my, my great-great-great-grandfather, all been down pit, all died in the black lung. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got money in the bucket, give some tip missies for a bit of a pie, and then uh, drink the rest down with Guinness. Uh, <laughs> sorry, everybody up north. I, 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 yeah, oh, Christ. I expect abuse. Um, so there are loads. There are some... Uh, a lot of the, I don't know, there's so many, too many to mention all of them, obviously. I think one of the interesting ones I had was working at, I guess it was a distribution hub of some sort, but then bringing in a truck, a trailer truck. It's like, right, you guys got to unload that. And I was like, okay, just boxes and boxes of Mars bars. And I remember calculating that in a day we'd moved something like 1.2 million Mars bars, which was pretty good. That is good. So... It was good. You got a good idea. You got a good sort of vision on what other thing, you know, how the real world was working. Oh, I had one other job which where I turned up at. They're like, "Yeah, go work for this company." I turned up there, and they're just they're looking at me. They're just like, "You got to be kidding me! You sent us that." 
And I'm like, yeah, hello, come on, <laughs> let's get going then. And it was a job delivering fitted kitchens. Like, these things weighed a ton, man. I couldn't even lift my spoon in the morning, let alone a fitted kitchen. <laughs> and I remember the driver they put me with. We were delivering Nick Faldo's kitchen. Oh, wow. Up, over to, up to Wentworth. Yeah, it was very exciting. And... uh I don't remember much about the day except aching at the end of it and not really being able to lift much. But I do remember the driver at one point just turned around to me and I can't remember what we were talking about. But he's going, I bet you drive. What do you drive? I bet your dad drives a Rolls Royce, doesn't he? Yeah. As I do. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm just from Windsor. Please don't hate me. Mate, I know. I, well, I, one of the jobs I had, which is probably where you just come in for complete and utter abuse was and you see the engineers um where you get the engineer and he's looking through his measuring equipment and you see this poor bloke this poor dejected kind of ex-golf sale signpost holder um who's now been upgraded to actually holding the measuring pole and you get a light beam between the two and it measures distances and i did that for um, i did that with you yeah you did yeah you did you came in and joined in the fun you got to drive the truck or the car around all the time. I just basically got shouted at by this Irishman. And I, I, literally, this is why my language is so so terrible all the time, because every other word was an F or a C. And I generally got called that every <laughs> single day, every hour, every minute. For fuck's sake, Jeremy, I said five mil, not ten mil, you fucking dick. Get on with more back five, and then I'll be moving my little pole back five. Is this all right? No, I said five mil, for fuck's sake, that's ten mil. Is this all right? No, oh, <laughs> do I have to do it myself? And this guy's just shouting at me all the bloody time, and he was always smoking all the time. So I was like, I don't mind because I was smoking at the time, but he, he actually, his theory was if he had a chest infection, it was best to smoke more because it absorbed all the mucus up and he could hack it all out. That was his kind of like theory. And I, as, as you know, I had an accident on, on, on site, and um, I, uh, I, I was secretly. Um, using the forklift truck um, that they had, and I was carrying stuff in the, in the compound. And um, this is unbeknownst to the company that employed me. I was doing this off my own back, legal, 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 um, moving stuff. And I had this little rat boy um, before real rat boys came out and became estate agents and worked in recruitment companies and um, all the rest of it. But this little rat boy came down. And he goes, "Oh, mate, can you uh, carry this generator up on the site?" And I said, well, I, I'm, I haven't actually got a ticket to, to drive this, but I'm just sort of moving stuff just very quickly for, for, for one of the guys. Oh, come on, don't take five minutes, I'll drive you up there. So I get this generator, and I can't see anything on this truck whatsoever. I, I, you know, it's this big sort of ton and a half forklift truck thing. So he's sort of following me up there, and he's going, oh, yeah, it's just on the left here. And out of nowhere... This van comes speeding around the corner, reverses back, and goes straight onto the back of one of my forks. I panic, thinking that I'm hitting reverse, but I don't. I pick up the tilt, which tilts the forks up. Then I hit reverse, and I rip the doors <laughs> off the back of this van. <laughs> this bloke's coming out and just calling me everything under the sun. Oh, fuck you, you, fuck you, fuck you. And then I'll, I'll never forget, that one of the safety guys came running down, and he grabbed my nameplate thing. ACC, yeah, yeah, this is at, yeah, yeah, B757 Allison, uh, just had an accident, doesn't have a ticket to drive the uh, forklift trucks, gone through the back of a van, got got an incident down here, got an incident, and 
oh man, and then all the proverbial hit, hit the, van, uh, the, the fan with that. I, I literally was kind of like shunned by the, the, the chief guy on site. For He didn't speak to me for two weeks. I mean, I was amazed that they were still in employing me, but I, I, I kind of had the safety guide down and I had to do the safety instruction. And I tried to say, look, they didn't know that I was doing this. I shouldn't be there. I'm happy to try and pay for the door or whatever, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, the report comes through and my boss, Jerry, goes, right, you, you need to read this, Jeremy. So I, I went out thinking, you know, that all the blame was going to be on me and I shouldn't have done it and get my marching orders. And it said, uh, Jeremy Allison, after our in-depth interview, doesn't seem like the sort of person to show any initiative. So the blame can't be put on his shoulders. So, yeah, I, I, I wanted to keep that because I had no initiative, but that was horrendous. I was literally... I remember, Jerry, because I worked with you for a week on that job. Yeah. You you got me the job, but at the same time, I was looking for other work, so I worked for a week. And then Jerry was all right until the day I told him I was leaving. <laughs> and then I just be, oh, man, he was not happy. <laughs> he was not happy. I'd given him a week. That was so bad. grumpy there, mate. It was all Irishmen, and all they were was grumpy, honestly. And just swearing at me all the bloody time. I did it. I, to be honest, though, being out there in the open and running around the site was probably one of the fittest I ever sort of became, really. And then it went downhill after that. But, um, yeah, I'd never forget just the, the panic of lifting up the foot. <laughs> ripping these doors off this little van. This bloke shouting at me and this other bloke ripping my badge off. And just me just thinking, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. No, as the blood drains and the panic attacks start to set in. Uh, it was brutal. And I, I do feel for any kids that go out there and they're doing these kind of jobs, you know. I, it's, one of the, one of the, the, the one things with the pot washers, I was actually a pot washer that was promoted to a waiter and then demoted. I don't think that's ever, ever happened. <laughs> um he reached the heady heights of waiter. I, I, I need to have it snatched. I just snatched away from my grasp. Because I just wasn't very good at that either. So they, they sort of said, Jeremy's probably best that um, you, you go back to doing the, doing the pot washing or whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway, temping jobs. Mm. Always a challenge. Yeah, they were fun. Yes. No, they weren't fun at all. They were. It's a brutal situation. I mean, there wasn't a minimum wage. It was really long and sort of awful hours and in awful jobs as well. You know, that normally now you'd probably get some big seven-foot Polish guy that would be able to just do it and just think it was a breeze. But for us weaklings and mere mortals, it, it, <laughs> it was horrendous. I think it was also a shock because it was actually physical work and there was no escaping, was it? Once you were dropped off there, that was it. Work, work, damn you. There's a bloke banging drums. Pick up the glucose, put it in. I work here. Yeah, you weren't getting away with it. Nah, mate. But anyway, so tempting jobs. <clears throat> Next topic. Gun laws. Yeah, it's a contentious one. It's a big beast. How do you tackle something like gun laws? I'm not sure. I mean, it's all mired in... It's a very strange one, isn't it? I mean, it's it has its roots in... Well, the people who want to keep the guns, I guess, it has its roots in, you know, it's our right. Which is a very, very 
important part of it. It is, but, I, you know, let's put some context around it. The reason why this rant's come up is, is obviously those who follow the news will know that President Obama tried to put through some legislation um, in order to bring some more gun control around after the recent tragic events at the school where another, and it seems to have happened on a monthly basis now, you know, where a nutty, loner child, kid, goes in, has access to massive amounts of weapons and just literally takes out his whole school. Um, and this just seems to be sort of, you know, he's tried to bring in rules to, to make it harder for people to get guns, etc., etc. And the Senate declined. Um, they didn't get the majority that they needed, so it was rejected. And you would think, after all of the events and everything that happened, that these senators would have been jumping over themselves to try and pass something like this, but they don't. Now, in their defence, they're probably saying that the gun laws that they have and all the rest of it are absolutely adequate and, you know, there are checks and balances and all the rest of it. Um, I want to say, when you come into a supermarket and having been to the States and they are selling racks of shotguns when you're going to buy your packet of crisps and your six-pack, um, you need to kind of change that. Um, I was just looking at some stats. And in 2005, they did a kind of consensus of the amount of guns in there in America. And there were 222 million guns. And in recent events, um, after President Obama actually came in and there was a big concern... Yeah, the sales keep going up, they don't they, whenever they have... Yeah. But people get scared. You see, this is it. So I guess it's self-perpetuating. The problem is people, people feel... Well, the government of America drives this terror argument. So everyone feels a need to protect themselves. But what is it, the statistic? If you own a gun, your chances of being shot have just gone up like 400 times or something. Really? And then I know, yeah, and I know two weeks ago there was two incidences of a four-year-old picked a gun up off a bed and shot um, some guy or a, or a lady, I can't remember. And there was another incident of a four- or five-year-old who picked up a another gun and shot a six-year-old because they had access to them. It's not because they were malicious or because they wanted to shoot them. It's because some guy had left the gun loaded, lying around, and children had access to them. And, you know, there is a problem with people having access, you know, the wrong people having access to guns. But the, the problem is, and, and, and it's a self-perpetuating one, is the U.S. has an enormous, an enormous... A beast, big fat man, kind of like size, obsession with guns that you don't get anywhere else, really, I don't think, apart from possibly Russia, of a love affair with, with weapons. And they love them in all varying different degrees. They love the old ones, they like the new ones, they like the ones with all the fe- technical fandangry, all the like, slaps on them. They love, they, they love the guns. And you can see that from the adverts that they have and the power of the National Rifle Association. How many guns can you possibly need? And the more guns that you have out there, the more chances are there's going to be some little lone and nutter kid who realises that they can actually get some enormous publicity. Um, and this is the other thing, is, is that they, they've got to stop publicising who the people are when this, this happens. They need to have a law injunction that just says, Do you know what, we're not naming this kid. You are not getting any acclaim in your own sick little head. Uh, I think that's a very, very valid point. I was watching with this Boston bomber, and they had these kids plastered all over the place and interviewing the families and everything, and they got so much attention. I can honestly see how someone would 
how someone who's somewhat unstable would just say, I'm going to get prime time. I'm going to get my 15 minutes of fame here. Watch this. What an easy way to get your 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. What a terrible way to get it. But, um, but it's not changing. Uh, they have an opportunity. They go back to the Second Amendment every time. I just, I just think with the Second Amendment, that when that was drafted, it was all around the militia and, and, and actually defending against the, the rise of the English. And you're allowed to have a musket, a certain amount of musket balls, your flint, your, your, your gunpowder, all the rest of it. So if, if, if the National Rifle Association are going to cling to this, it is our right, then it is your right. You will be given a musket. You'll be given some little gunpowder and some little, like, uh, tiny little, like, ball things, and that, that'll be it. You will not be allowed to have some automatic weapon or whatever if we're following the Constitution as it was meant. And you're only actually allowed to use those guns when we come and invade you, or that there might be some internal uprising. Because the whole of the basis of America, basing your whole country on something that was signed in 1798... And that's what you're basing everything, and knowing how things have moved on is absolutely staggeringly fucking naive and stupid. Okay. Yeah. Well, my you know what my opinion is. I have no you know if the Americans want to keep guns, I have no problems with the American keeping guns. You know. No, they can have your, guns, but how many do they need? Well, there is how many do they need, and the control and just keeping them locked down. I mean, where is it? Switzerland. Every male in Switzerland has. Um, a rifle, I believe. Is it Switzerland or Sweden? I think it's Switzerland. Yeah, because they're part of the... Uh, in, in Sweden, you can have a gun, but then it's, it's if you're called to arms. And all uh, Swiss people are trained into the army. They have to do national service. So yeah, they don't have the problems. Dormant army. <clears throat> yeah, but they don't have the problems. That, you know, the guns are kept under lock and key. The people who own them are responsible and understand. And, you know, there's just something not quite right in... Mrs. Smith getting into her Buick to go down and pick up some milk and eggs and having a forty-five in her purse. I mean, the statistics must bear out that you have no need to carry a gun on you. Exactly. You have no need to have a gun in your glove box. You're never, you know, statistically, you're never going to need it. You're never going to use it. And all you've done is increase the danger to those around innocents, including yourself, but the around e- you. The ease of buying arms, mate, as well. Is, is yeah, I know. That's enormous. a problem. I'm not, it's I know. I'm not disagreeing. You, you can buy them through magazines. You have to, they're, they're literally, if they think that they're, they're means of, of gun control and there's enough uh, preventative measures to stop children and everybody else getting access to it, they're absolutely wrong. 222 million, and that was in 2005, which means if you wanted to buy a gun off the street, you could. You, you have access to guns incredibly easily. Uh, and when you've got automatic weapons out there um, and things that can just stream down, I mean, you could literally, you know, take over a continent with the amount of weapons they've got there. It, it's, it's just too much. Well, I agree with that. You know, there is a certain... There's just a ludicrous... But I'm going back to, to the point, to have... mate, that they've sexed it up. They've put films where guns are held at angles by the gangster, like, you know, go to school, mate, go and get an education and learn something, rather than you being some gun-toting, like, badass. Just this whole kind of, like, attitude of just, um, you know, that you're a big man because you've got a gun in your hand. Get your, Put your gun down and let's have a fight. Put your guns down and fight like a man, rather than you hiding behind you your various different weapons. That's my kind of thoughts on it, you know. <laughs> I, 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 just, I, don't know I just find it incredibly frustrating that in this day and age that 
you know, after a horrendous event in those schools, and it just keeps happening. I, yeah, happening, but you know what? Done I, under- I, you know, I understand that, and I understand that, you know, I think there's definitely a call to. They have to look at the access that people have to these guns, they have to look at automatic weapons. You know, there's just no need for it. They're automatic weapons, are totally designed for wars, and that's it. They're not designed for any other reason than to kill people. Yeah. You know, there's no sporting justification for them. You know, a hunting rifle, at least you can just justify it for hunting. Uh, maybe some pistols for for uh, going to the range and shooting, but an automatic weapon, there's just no need for it. Um, and then I think even the deeper underlying issue is, um, which shouldn't be forgotten, is why are these kids going off the rails? You know, they're not just going off the rails because they want some attention. There's the deeper-rooted problems on medications that they're taking, um, social situations, situations at home, and that all needs to be looked at. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, there's someone behind that gun pulling the trigger. And what's making these kids just go nuts? What's making these guys just go into cinemas and, and thinking... I need to do that. That's really because because and, and you notice how that they they put themselves up into like these kind of like they have it all worked out. They have the doors kind of like locked. They have bomb making such. I, I just I think guns have been like smoking. Guns need to be unsexed. If there's such a word, they need to be less sexy. They need to have this kind of less power trip driven kind of like thing that that they have. I think it really is a state of the evolution of your society where it just seems to be allowed and, and perpetuated that you can just go in there and you can get a hold of your parents' guns and you can just go walk into a school with massive amounts of ammunition, massive amounts of stockpiled ammunition and just take people down. Do you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see almost um, DNA imprinting on every new gun that's sold now. Every new weapon, and I'd like to see the munitions factories actually having to make the bullets for guns that are available now. This might would be my way of tackling all these historic stuff. So that the bullets that are out there now are just purely for the old stuff, and that your gun is DNA registered to you, so that you know you're not getting guns sold on, you're not getting dodgy guns out there. There is an encryption on there, like 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 with I suppose. Anyone remembers Judge Dredd and his law? You know, <laughs> okay, <have> right. <laughs> that's kind of encrypted, so you can't people, other people can't use that that weapon. You know. Okay, yeah, that's very nice, and I'm glad you're you're keeping you know your thoughts there rooted in the real world. And you can, but well, you, can you can't. Uh, no, listen Jeremy, to me, listen no, to me. Look, listen to me. Uh, no, no, you're being completely naive if you have any idea of the massive amount of of money tied up in the movement of guns across borders within the states. That is not going to happen, all right? <laughs> I know you've been drinking your fantasy coffee again. I'm saying that it's technically possible. It's not going to happen. Well, then how do you... Then, then <laughs> See, you're like our politicians or, or our critics of politicians, is that you don't offer any solutions. You just ask a lot of questions. This is a solution is that ongoing ammunition and things will be made for guns that are relevant now so that you're slowly, but and very, very slowly, I admit weaning out the historic guns that are out there. Otherwise, you've just got an environment where any lunatic who's had a bad day, like the famous Bootown's Rats, I don't like Monday song, goes out there, grabs a gun and just basically tries to kill people. And this ties in with a statement that I was on um, on Facebook that I read, and it, and it, and it basically said, 
you know, a failed shoe bomber tries to ignite a, uh, a shoe bomb, and we have to have all our shoes checked when we go through um, airport security and all the rest of it. There's been 38 school incidents since Columbine, and not one change in the gun laws. There is something deeply, deeply wrong in the psyche of America and senators who are shameful motherfuckers that, that they haven't done anything about this at all. They've allowed that and allowed to be influenced by outside parties when you know you need to, to tighten, if anything, really tighten it down. Yeah. I, I, I just think, you know, nothing's going to change, mate. You need to be... It, it's just a staggering kind of statistic, and it's becoming more prevalent in the UK now. We don't obviously have it anywhere near the scale, but guns are make, making finding their way in. Yeah, well, we have a gun problem here in Canada. You know, we're, you know, we're not like America. Um, a lot more people hunt, so there's a lot more, I think, hunting rifles and shotguns around, but... You know, we can't walk around with a gun, and if you have guns, they have to be registered and stored properly and all that. Actually, we did have a guy, he walked into a school with a gun the other day, but he was apparently going after... I haven't checked the checked the story since, but it looks like he was going after the guy his wife was having an affair with. <laughs> Took him out. So, um, But then I questioned that, why he had to do it at the school. Exactly. Why not just get him at the car park later. No wonder she left you. So. <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I, I, you know, I think. But anyway, it's a, it's a big topic, but it's one. That it's a mental topic. It's a mental topic, and you could talk about it for hours and hours and hours. Let's move on to uh, something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, oh, you know what? Well, I um, <laughs> there was one thing that bugged me the other day when I was driving, and this is just a very, very tiny, a uh, bite-sized rant. Um, was I was driving uh, behind a Fiat 500. Have you ever seen a Fiat 500? You guys have them in the UK. Yeah, tiny little this is, bubble things, aren't they? This is a car that is smaller than a Mini. Yeah. And it had parking sensors. Like, I was just looking at the back of it, and you could see the little round parking sensors on the back of this Fiat 500. I had to do a double take. I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> no way. Surely not. Now, I'm sure there wasn't a disabled sticker on there as well. I uh, they didn't see one, and it's, you know, I did. I saw the parking sensors, and I just sitting there going, "You've got to be kidding me!" You know, here's a car that is shorter than a mini. What part? Where have you given up on life and your wallet <laughs> that you choose that as an option on a car? That I ca- I can't think of a car that is shorter than that one. Shorter than a mini, and you need parking sensors. You've given up on life. I didn't You've see given up who with was driving, in it. haven't they? Oh, man. I know. There's such strange little cars, and you always get... You know, the funny thing is about these little quirky little cars, you always get the quirky little woman in it, don't you? You always have to have have some little bright-coloured-like car, about 1,500 cuddly toys on the back end of it, on the roof bit. You know, they're normally really big, fat pie-eaters that normally have this kind of thing. (laughs) It's like, you know, they're kind of like women... That, that they have, you know, the really bright kind of like hair, they put loads of colour in it, and then they're desperate for some sort of attention. They're the ones that are crying at the end of a party, people that drive those. <laughs> With the parking sensors. With the parking sensors. And as they're sort of walking backwards, Did you get a new car yet? I'm going to go and look at one today. Um, we've just realised we can't actually afford it, but we're going to go and have a look anyway. 
probably get roped in. There'll be that moment in The Simpsons where he goes along and he's sort of looking at all those kind of trailers things. Um, so, have you taken any advice? Have you do you know what you're going to buy? And yeah, what no, your we, budget we, is. We, we, we've set our budget. We've looked at. Um, we're going to get a, probably a Honda again, just because we want something reliant. We also want something that people aren't going to nick. We also want something that can fit the fifteen thousand various different articles that we seem to have to take with us every time we go anywhere with our two dogs and son. So, um, yeah. But I, I tell you what, man, though, it's, cars are expensive, aren't they? They're so expensive. <laughs> Looking at these lists of these things, and you're thinking, oh, you know, even a second-hand one, and it's costing a fortune. Uh, yeah. Um, oh well. How's your car running? Fine, thank you. Yeah, let it. See, I won't be allowed. Yeah. So we wouldn't be. We wouldn't get that signed off. Uh, Fraser drives a Jag. It's <laughs> <laughs> like unfamily friendly car. Well, it probably is. It's got a big size. You know, it's a love car. It's a black Jag, and I, I'm very envious of it because I've always liked Jags. When we had a car industry many, many years ago, and we had our wonderful designers, you know, the kind of guys that did the E-types and, and all the rest of it, and they brought out a very sleek Jag, and it became it became probably famous because Arthur Daly drove one, um, but it also became rather famous because the old really old lovely Jags that Inspector Morse used to drive and they're, they're just beautifully designed cars anyway this Jag that Fraser's got he, he put it up and I, I've been very envious and I, I kind of look at it and then I think of my Honda and realise that <laughs> <laughs> when I'm at the traffic lights with my, my snot-nosed kid and my dog's barking and going demented people are going to go ah when they see the Jag pulling up, they're going to go, ah, oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah well, I, like, I don't do any miles, so I can justify it. If I had to do any miles, like I work around the corner from my house, so I don't put any miles on it. It's, um, yeah, if I had to do it, it's thirsty, man. It's a big brute of a car. It's really thirsty. How many miles per gallon do you get out of that? Not a lot. 20. 20? <laughs> <laughs> I could go double the distance and more in mine. I keep it in sport mode all the time. Sport mode? I keep it in sport mode all the time as well. Uh, It's not good. (laughs) It's nice, though. It's like driving around in your sofa. Oh, I'd like that. You would. Are you still got that kind of everything's clean and pristine sort of like thing about it? The kids are kind of... Yeah, you've got to keep it clean. They have to sign forms before they're allowed in the car of what they can and can't do. Yeah, the kids are not allowed to eat in the back of it or anything like that. God, just imagine if chewing gum was found <gasps> in the carpet. Look at your Actually, face! What was your it? face! What was <laughs> <laughs> I wish that this is going to see in his face there because it's literally like, oh, I've got that. Chewing gum. Chewing gum was probably invented by an evil, evil man in a cave, wasn't it? To sort of bring yeah. down Western civilization. I'll tell you what was funny. I went and picked up my uh, daughter the other day from the, um, from the Sidders. And while she was at the sitters, she somehow, she'd taken a princess costume with her. I didn't realize this. So I picked her up, and she was in her princess dress. So, <laughs> if anyone looking out would have seen this princess walking out of this school, as old Jeeves the butler holds open the back door for this princess to climb in the back <laughs> of the black jag, and then you get in and drive her home. God. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you put a picture up of it, and and, and I kind of wrote a comment, and, and, and actually realised that your daughter was 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 actually in front of a blesser, and um, she's about the size of one of the wheels. 
Um, but anyway, yeah, no, cool car. Let, let, okay, let's get on to films and, and, and Looper. Um, it's just been out recently. It's now on, on DVD. All the rest of it's got Bruce Willis in it. Um, what did you make of it? Uh, it was all right. It wasn't too bad. So it's got uh, Bruce Willis plays the older version of a young guy who's some sort of... What do they do? They sort of sit, wait by a time portal and kill people that are sent back in time that need to be got rid of. Yeah. Anyway, it all starts with this. His own self is sent back and he doesn't kill his own self. And then it creates a paradox. And they're trying to do something to stop something or whatever it is. Anyway, it was pretty good. It was a movie that made you think. Um, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't a bad movie. I, I just... Oh, man. One of its enormous, enormous gaping plot kind of like holes in it was the fact that only it seemed criminals have access to this technology. It was so super and advanced that only criminals can actually use it. Didn't That didn't make any sense. Uh, and no one seemed to sort of plot the thing that these guys are basically killing other people off. Um, I also didn't get, and I don't know if it was a budget thing, that all of the cars in the future just looked like really shit. They were just sort of had these strange things attached to their sort of like the hose pipe and, 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 and the uh, and the petrol. Um, yeah, well, I the what, guy what, main, what is that all about? The, the main guy, he drove a Mazda MX-5, didn't he? Yeah. little sports car. But I think that was a clever way for them to say, he's driving in the future, he's driving a classic old car. But, I, but all the guns, been, the guns, everything just seemed to be really old. The guns were just old and crap. What was I didn't I, honestly, man? I just felt that that, that had been done on a budget of about five p. Well, maybe it had. Well, probably it had, but that that, that, that plot. And I, I, you know what? They, they, the, the, the other character and, and guys, if you're watching, so what did you want? You wanted better and more guns? No, I wanted <laughs> which would be a nice little, <laughs> which would be a nice little like turnaround, wouldn't it? I wanted it to look modern. I, and I also didn't want the lead character, because basically, guys, there's two people in this film. There's Bruce Willis, and then there's the person who's him when he's younger. And the person who's him when he's younger, they try to keep aging him over the kind of like the, the span of the movie. And he's just looking more and more freaky. He's kind of looking like um, Marv out of Sin City by the end of it. And you're thinking, does, does Bruce Willis look like that? Why, why is this not sort of his hair thinning? Why isn't... Um, you know, it, it, it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. The fact that they send people back into the into into the past to shoot people that they've sent from the future, I, I didn't get that. Why don't they just send someone into the past to shoot the person who's actually in the past? Yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you what I really like. <laughs> the fact. Why, why not? <laughs> I don't know. My brain's going now. <laughs> I liked the fact where one of the guys came back from the future. He didn't kill himself. The bad guys captured himself from the future and wanted to capture him from the present. So they were sending him messages by carving into his arm messages yeah. which would then appear on him in the present. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something yeah, like that, wasn't it? Yeah. That was clever. But that also did have a massive plot fall. Um, 
in, in one bit, and again, guys, when you're watching this, he, he, he arranged to meet himself, which is to meet his, his future Bruce Willis, the old one, uh, who actually is Bruce Willis, in a cafe, just by typing a waitress's name on his arm. Now, I don't know how good he was Googling this kind of information, but just typing a name, a surname of a waitress, and, and somehow he's managed to get the location, everything else, and the actual time to meet this person at that time, in the part, it's just bizarre. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Oh yeah, I'll just cut in Doris. That means it's going to be Cafe 69 in, in America, in a Texas state, in Houston, in such and such. It's going to be at this... What? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Made no sense. Why are they getting paid in silver bars? I don't get any of that at all. Surely they don't have like <laughs> credits. Why are they getting silver bars? Is it because they keep their value? I don't Perhaps... Honestly, it just made no sense at all. And I, I tell you the other thing that I just thought was really kind of lame. I reckon that the only reason that film was made is because they thought, Bruce Willis is an action hero. He's getting old. How can we give some of the responsibility to a younger person but still keep Bruce in it? Uh, I'll just get some right and a fang dangly, kind of bung something together and then it, then it, then it will fly. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do that. We'll just basically just keep jumping back and forth and the action bits, which Bruce can't do anymore because his pacemaker's going to give out, will get to the younger bloke who's kind of looking more like Marv out of Sin City. No sense. No sense at all. I, I thought it was all right. I think people need to watch it just to sort of think, what? What? I'm giving it five out of ten. Yeah? yeah. I'll give it six. So you weren't that impressed with it, be honest. Uh, it was all right. Yeah, but it can't, things have to be better than all right nowadays. Yeah, it wasn't better than all right. I haven't walked away and thinking, I haven't thought about it since I watched it about a month ago. So, yeah, six out of ten is fair. It wasn't like Cabin in the Woods where it just takes you totally in a completely different direction. It goes all demented. No, Cabin in the Woods was great. Yeah, it was weird. Or like The Expendables 2, which was even better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the third one they're making of that. This I don't even know how they could top it. They're going to have them in wheelchairs, Zimmer frames, you know. Okay. All right. Well, look, I'm just going to give an honourable mention. i tell you what, I did watch another film, Public Enemies with Johnny Depp and Christian Bale. Oh, I've seen Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, dreadful. Oh, it's just dreadful. <laughs> Two out of ten. It's just toilet. Toilet burger. Oh, it was awful. Schaefer, t- uh, tons of things that were bad. First of all, shaky cam was just... I don't need shaky cam. can't stand shaky cam. Um, it was just a terrible story. You know, when John Dillinger, this guy who robs banks and is, you know, pretty ruthless or whatever, then lo- his girlfriend gets captured by the police and he cries. Johnny Depp cries. <laughs> just you sound like the, just a, a rabbit. Get the rabbit. <laughs> the rabbit. It was just oh, it was dreadful. Uh, two out of ten. Uh, yeah, two out of ten. I've seen that, and I, I did think you know it, there's so much pouting going on, and you know trying to sex up somebody who again this is again where they've made guns sexy. You're giving, you're giving like this guy who basically was this ugly runt who who killed people, and I, I know that they, again it's kind of like you're you're so desperate for sort of like these anti-heroes 
that you, 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 you put Johnny Depp, this kind of like model, and a bloke that, to be honest, is very strange, man boy. He's someone who just, he's just on there and he's just this man boy. You kind of think that he's got no pubic hair and, and, and nothing kind of going on that resembles that manliness because he's such a man boy. And when he's got grows his goatee, you just got these kind of like little wisps. You think, man boy. Like you think Christian Bell's a little bit man boyish as well. The dark night. I'm going to walk around and talk to Why are you talking like that, Bruce? I'm Batman. No, you're Bruce Wayne. It's obvious. I saw you. You were doing a millionaire's, billionaire's function thing. I'm Bruce Wayne. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. You tit. You've got all, yeah. of this, all this money and you haven't even designed any technology to try and change your voice and your face. I know who you are. You're Bruce Wayne. I'm Batman. It gives me a dark, mysterious voice. And I don't really think Batman. <laughs> It is the Dark Knight Appreciation. Welcome to the Dark Knight Appreciation Society. <laughs> <coughs> okay, let's crack on with games then, because we're, at, we're oh, at pushing yeah. the hour now. Yeah. So, uh, finally got you to... Well, let's talk about Dead Island first. Yeah, we, we, we did a swap of recommendations here. Dead Island is not a game for, for something to play in front of your kids. It's pretty brutal. You're basically on an island. I, I love the idea that they've kind of done it in a anti-jock slashing killing way and it looks as though it's been developed by an Australian developer um, because it's all kind of like an Australian and based on Australian kind of things but with a, a jock things but anyway you, you're on this island basically you, you are the only person who can't sort of like be changed into a zombie so these mothers can fight you and all the rest of it but you wander around with various different weaponry that you pick up and you get up sort of like various different sort of like power-ups and, and you become more adept at basically hacking and slashing your way through loads and loads of zombies. Um, yeah, the more zombies you kill, the more experience you get, the, the more experience you get, the better weaponry you can get. You can pick up items and alter your bat. Suddenly, if you pick up a bat and nails and get the plans for it, you can make bats with the nails in them. <laughs> he is a board with a nail in it. <laughs> So, you, yeah, you, you can buy maiming kind of like weapons and, and, and develop them and all the rest of it. And and it sounds pretty pants, but it's strangely, bizarrely addictive. Yeah, I was thinking that. I really didn't, wasn't too keen on playing it. I had real, no real desire to play it. I only picked it up because you'd, you'd said to. Now, the more but I find it, but I find it somewhat, um, I like it. Yeah, it's brutal. It's very brutal, but it's all right. Yeah. Without going to, and this is probably a topic first that probably always comes around and hurts the, the gaming industry, as we know, is the association with, um, especially with the Columbine killers. That he, one of the guys, is actually developing levels for Doom. Um, uh, he was well known on the circuit actually and he did a final level which they actually believe was the layout of the Columbine school um, he was quite a technically astute guy and I just want to pair these two because people probably say and say, oh you can wander around hacking people's heads off with a machete then and that's all well and good and, I, and I'm not advocating that I'm just saying that they're not people they're, they're not zombies people. they're zombies and they're made of pixels <laughs> You know, that's the great difference, and, I, and I'm fortunate that I can differentiate them. So, you know, uh, but, again, I just want to say that there is an association with, obviously, enjoy guns and, and creating weapons and all the rest of it, and this is just fictional, let alone 
you know, when some people actually get excited by buying M16s and M16s. He's off flat. again. Well, I'm just Am I going to pull you down off the ceiling? Oh, I can play. Come down. Come back. <laughs> He's off again okay, on his ramp balloon. What do you make of it? It's good. Like, yeah, it's a lot of fetch quests and things like that. You know, go get me this, go get me that. But you have to do that to get experience. Um, if you can't, I'm finding I'm concentrating a lot on how strong and powerful my weapons are. And I've been upgrading weapons on the workbenches. So uh, just making it easier. It's all right. It's good. Marks out of 10? No. I haven't finished it yet. I only just started it. Oh, Okay. I think it's, it's it's simple, but it's addictive, and it was one of those ones which came out of nowhere. Really, it did did really well. In fact, they've made another, and that's just recently been uh, released. Dead Island, Riptide, Riptide. Yeah, that's coming out in a week or two. Now, one of the things we have to do is there's a multiplayer um, facility on there, and people of the sort of like um, Call of Duty will know the little secret. Well, not secret because it's on there, but. The zombie killing on that is a good lot of fun. You just want better weapons, though, really, most of the time on that. But this doesn't have that kind of time thing, so you can happily go around in your car, battering the proverbial. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to crack, crack on with that. Um, I had told you to get Unfinished Swan, so you did that. You got that. Um, and your reaction seems to have been good. It is, I, I think... The, uh, the Santa Monica development, they just, they produce magic. It's a game of complete charm. Um, and, and this is the, obviously the antithesis of, um, of obviously Dead Island. This is, this is done very purely and it's almost done in a childhood, well it is done in a childhood sort of, you know, um, nursery. It's like a child's dream, isn't it? It is. And I mean, these guys did Journey, the one that I recommended, uh, to you. And they're a fantastic developer. I think they look at stuff and they just go, and someone sort of, they sit around the table and go, what would be nasty to do? And they go, well, I've just got this sort of fairy tale book where a, a kid's mum paints his pictures, an unfinished one, and it, and, it, and it flies it off, and it goes to this kingdom, and you have to wander around and fire a, a black splodge gun to sort of, in this white space, to then sort of make your surroundings or make sense of it, and then it develops to we can't do that. Yes, we can. We're going to do it. We do whatever we want. We could have pink cheese merchants selling grapes to some goat herder in, in Texas or something or other. You know, just just keep doing this. And it, and it, and it works. But it's, it was a very good recommendation. It's absolutely charming, incredibly addictive, um, very well thought out, very sort of simple. I mean, you literally have a jump button, a movement button, and a fire sort of like paint button. Yeah, it's one of those games right. that I, I would say to people, you know, you can look at a game like Dead Island and you go, okay, yeah, it's a hack and slash zombie game, whatever, I can see what's going on there. But if you haven't seen a game like Unfinished Swan, you're missing out. You need to see what's... It's just so much more emotionally engaging than a standard game. It know, is. Which is, which is nice. Um, it's yeah, and like you say, it's charming. It's got a re- it will rinse your brain clean of the zombie slashing <laughs> that you that you did before, as you you know, because you're effectively just this walking around as this you know young boy, and just hearing the noises he makes and things when he's jumping and climbing up walls and things is really cute. Uh, it's got a bit of Zelda to it, hasn't it? On that side, it's got that kind of like you know the, the young kid on the adventure sort of thing. It's um, 
Yeah, I tell you what the other thing about that game is, is it's coming from a different angle. It's bringing something new to the table. Okay, it is a bit of a platform. You have to get this, you have to do, but it's got little puzzles that aren't obvious, but they're there, you know, and you, you work things out. I, I think I think intelligence in games has sometimes been rinsed out over graphic content. and, and Whereas you probably want in the Call of Duty, you want to have more kind of like intelligence. So I, you know when you just wander around with a Scottish kind of like old sniper bloke and that's got a real kind of a niceness to it. You want more interaction like that where he's sort of showing you bits and pieces. And with this game, it, it, it doesn't tell you the answer, but they are there and it's through trial and error. Makes you think. Yeah, well, I just think we're, we're quite lucky right now to be uh, have the development and the ability for people to buy games like that. Not, not necessarily massive titles, uh, not necessarily a, a 14 or 16 hour game, but a game that's two to three hours of quality at a price point that's reasonable, you know, and uh, and enjoyable yeah. and quality. You know, uh, I'd rather have two hours of absolute quality than 14 hours of mediocre, you know, gameplay which isn't that engaging. So it's good. I think you're very fortunate to be a gamer right now. The choices are fantastic. They are. So. We are spoiled massively. Um, yeah. They're raising the bar, I think. And, and I think, you know, where there's kind of like doom and gloom games aren't selling as much, blah, blah, blah. I think people are being a lot more choosy about what they play. You know, they, they obviously get the big blockbuster titles, but it's nice to see even in these big sort of development houses that independent healing type games are coming out. Um, you know, and long may it, may it continue, I, I, especially on the mobile kind of like environment where games are being developed by small little development houses that can play against the big players. You know, you're not getting the EA constantly buying out the smaller little like ones and telling them they have to go down this sort of like thread. Not that I'm suggesting that you do do EA, but um, you know, that, that, that out there there's that freedom to develop stuff like that because you wouldn't think that that would have much much le- you know wouldn't have legs but it goes yeah Caps, it keeps you going yeah so and good to Sony I know Sony put their weight behind allowing these the development of these games so you know they've uh, you know good to them one yeah. of BAFTAs a journey won a BAFTA and and um, Unfinished Swan also won a BAFTA for games so good good for the, you know Santa Monica development guys doing great yep. work that yeah, was very good. Very good. Okay. Well, look, shall we wrap it up there? Yes. So I don't think there's. Any, I don't have any emails or anything. You caught me off guard uh, with uh, getting this show on, so I don't have anything. Uh, just thank you to everyone for listening. Um, we are on Twitter at TransRants. If I ever get round putting anything on, uh, that's probably going to be about it. Any other business, Jeremy? Anything else? No, I think I've. I think that's been. Uh, yeah. No episode next week. What about it? It's my my fortieth next week. Yeah, your big birthday next week. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> I, I'm going to go and buy a sports car now and just basically have a midlife crisis. Yeah, do that. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Have a good time. And we'll see you hopefully in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep listening. Okay. All right. Thank you. Guys. Come again. And put something on iTunes saying how good we are. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Hello. Back to back. I will be standing at the corner watching cars go by. Bye. 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 Bye.